Welcome to Content Etc, a podcast to help you work through the challenges of marketing your creative small business. I'm your host, journalist and copywriter Michelle Gately from Word by Word Storytelling. I want to help you feel really excited about the content marketing process so you can feel confident in it and know that it's not just something else to cross off your to-do list. I'm all about the gentle and sustainable growth, so if you're after quick hacks and one-size-fits-all templates, then this is not the place for you. My mission is to help you create content marketing that's actually interesting, feels and sounds authentic, not just like a sales robot, and has just a little sprinkle of strategic magic. I want to help you feel really great about your content so that you can show your dream clients why you're their perfect match. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Content Etc. Today I am joined by a lovely guest and I'm going to try and pronounce her name correctly, but I think that my accent might butcher it a little bit, but welcome to Content Etc. Astrid Bracker. Did I say that okay? (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking all about your journey, Astrid, uh, with social media and marketing in your business and sharing your decision to come off social media for marketing and focus solely, I think, especially on emails, but, you know, on your website and SEO and stuff as well. Um, And yeah, just finding out how that's worked in your business why you decided to do that and what you your marketing looks like now. So to start with, tell us a little bit about you and your business and how you got started in business. Yeah, thank you. I'm really pleased to, to be here and to chat with you. Um, so I am a mentor for uh, small business owners and freelancers and I work with them to create a slow, gentle and profitable business and essentially I'm on a mission to change how we feel and think and talk about business and especially to kick the the hustle and productivity culture um, to the curb and I do that through one-to-one mentoring and workshops and also through my newsletter indeed and my website Um, and I got started in business let's see four years ago and looking back, it's really not something that I ever thought I'd be doing. Um, I have a background in academia and higher education. And for the longest time, I was really on that track, right, to having an academic career. And I think around this time, so around 2019, a little bit before that already, um, I find it hard to kind of get the timeline. But anyway, I was getting... <laughs> tired of, of academia and particularly this this high pressure um having to be working all the time kind of environment and i realized that i wasn't willing to do everything for my job and especially after i met my partner i realized that weekends can actually be really fun if you don't spend them working oh my um, gosh your story is mirroring mine so much as well like it's yeah it's insane how much things can change and that's not to say that you know meeting someone or whatever changes everything but I definitely like just was happy putting everything into work before that and it was one of those things that made me reassess things 
I, I just sort of had followed this path that someone else had suggested or that seemed like the right thing, but actually deep down wasn't really where I wanted to be. Yeah, I think you put that really, really well. This idea, this sort of path in, in academia, also that had been sort of suggested to me, right? You get the PhD and then you work really hard and then you hope that they hire you. Um, and I <laughs> yeah. realised that, I mean, at some point I was working three different jobs and just thinking, you know, I just got tired of it and I wanted something else. And then the idea for the business came to me quite suddenly. I think I was just cycling and suddenly I had this idea of how cool it would be to help particularly people with their own business and freelancers to to work more or to think about how they spend their time. So this idea came kind of fully formed but I found it hard to land on what I now ended up doing. So really focusing on slow, gentle and profitable. Not It, it took me a while to land on those keywords and they are now really guiding words for me. And I went through about a year of, of having mainly a local business and doing local workshops to then right before the pandemic, pivoting towards more of an online and international business and here I am and I now work on my business and also part-time still in, in higher education but not in the research part anymore so I teach about two days a week and that's something that I, I really enjoy the teaching and um, the business next to that. Yeah wonderful and what did marketing or promoting your business look like when you first started out? What's the journey been there? How has that changed? Yeah I remember very vividly when I um, built my website, my first website for my business, and thinking, and I know it wasn't quite rational, but thinking like, okay, now I've got a website, now people will find me and things will magically happen. <laughs> yeah, still, even though I know and tell people that you need to tell people these things lots, and you know, it's not just going to happen straight away, and I'm fully prepared for it to take time and to be slow and I'm okay with that there's still a little part of me that like when I send an email announcing something new or you know I'm so excited to send off into the world and I'm like oh my god I've done all this stuff to my website recently you know I've put up this new offer or whatever and I'm like okay now everybody come <laughs> like there's still a little part of you that's just like oh am I gonna get immediate yeah. sales and unfortunately that is just not it's not the way things work, but yeah, there's even that even when you know that it's not the case, there's still like that tiny little seed inside that's like maybe this time I'll yeah. be I'll be the one that sells all these things. So yeah. silly. Yeah, and I, th I mean that absolutely has to do with the fact that our business, and particularly I think when we have a new offer, it takes up so much space in our minds, and we're like you know we're thinking about it so much that we don't really realize that other people aren't necessarily thinking about it just as much but for me it, it helps to kind of put me in the shoes of other people so if I think about okay so if I receive someone else's email with a new offer or whatever it's really rare that I immediately click like buy unless it's something that I've kind of been sitting on right something that I'm thinking oh yeah, I really want to work with this person um, so yeah that that has definitely been interesting so when the new website didn't immediately lead to loads of clients, or any for that matter, um, I started, since it was a local business, I used like old-fashioned flyers for a while. 
um, nice. which is definitely good for getting out of my comfort zone and going up to like you know in cafes and asking can I put up a flyer um, but I also very quickly landed on this idea that I had to be on social media and I had to be on Instagram and I'd had a personal Instagram account for a couple of years but I wasn't doing loads of this I was mainly following people that I found interesting um, and once I got into my business I started following more business mentors but because I had a local business in the Netherlands I figured I needed a Dutch Instagram account as well because the other one was more English so I ended up with two Instagram accounts which I can't really recommend to anyone. Um, <laughs> yeah I never thought of the elements that you would have going on with you know having um, a local business in a different language other than English like that yeah that's such an interesting dynamic as well and that must have been yeah quite so were you trying to promote things for your business on both accounts? No, I was trying to promote mainly on the Dutch account. But what I ran into is that I just found it really hard to find people, uh, particularly since I, I was, you know, I wanted to do local workshops. I really started to look for, okay, local people. Um, but I think as everyone knows, it can be really hard. I mean, you can't really force people to follow you. Um, and so that was like this perennial struggle. And it quickly made that Dutch account a much less fun place for me to be. So I liked hanging out on the other account more. Um, so that was um, was interesting. And I think I went through what many people go through, right? You experiment and you listen to all the podcasts and you read all the blogs and you take the courses and whatever. And particularly when in early 2020, I decided to take it international and online. Um, for a very brief period, I still had the two accounts, um, but that quickly drove me insane because then I was actually marketing on both I'm accounts. Yeah. Um, really looking at the advice and, and I learned I think what many people learn that if you post a lot you get a lot of engagement but I, I also realized that that wasn't really good for my sanity and engagement doesn't necessarily mean sales or even people signing up for your newsletter yeah. mm. so when did you start email marketing then as, and was that as part of your local business first I think so. It's a good question. I think I started email marketing quite soon as well. It must have been, yeah, in the spring of 2019 with, with like a Dutch language newsletter. Um, and I think if I look back to how I landed sort of on my marketing channels, it was just doing what other people had done, right? I didn't really think about what felt good for me, but I always enjoyed the newsletter more. I really love writing and I felt a sort of a sense of inspiration, I think, that I didn't feel with any other, any other channels. And then in 2020, I also created an English language newsletter and then also for a very brief time had both an English and a Dutch newsletter. Not ideal. Yeah, um, that's, a lot of, but... that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the newsletter has always been the thing that I that I enjoy most. So what were your feelings around social media then whenever you, you know, were sort of putting up things to promote your business? How did how did that make you feel? 
On the one hand, um, because I, I actually I've just been doing some sort of reflecting <clears throat> on uh, my time off social media, and there's definitely things that have helped and things that I got from it. Right, so I met. I think we probably met through social media. Yeah, I think um, so. <laughs> yeah, and and other people as well. Um, so particularly, I think, but it took it took a while, but I felt quickly overstimulated and that just has to do with my personality and I just get overstimulated quickly by a lot of things um so I think it's no wonder that I got overstimulated by social media but I think the thing that stuck with me the most particularly from those early years was the feeling that there was a right way of doing social media but that I just couldn't figure it out and I think 2019 2020 might have still been like the tail end of that period where people were saying that you could like you know build a six-figure business in a month through Instagram right there was a time that that was like a really dominant narrative so I really felt like there is a way of doing this and I don't know how and at the same time I'm overwhelmed and not really enjoying it loads yeah so when did you decide to quit social media for your business it's something that I, I didn't really decide to quit like suddenly I think I went through what many people go through right taking a break so I take a break for like two weeks and then come back or I take a break for a longer period of time. I, for a while, I landed on a schedule that kind of worked with me, even though for me, even though it meant I still posted four times a week, but I had like dedicated days. So on Monday, I'd post like a mantra, and on Friday, I'd post a list of like more informal things that made me happy. I think that helped just to take away of the pressure of what am I going to post because I had these dedicated days. But I think what changed is that in probably early 2021, I started to scale back. And I just actually um, launched a, a guide for small business owners around feeling better on social media. And I'd sold quite a few copies of that through social media, ironically, uh, mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that experience also made me reflect more about what feels good for me. And what felt good was showing up less. So that's, I think, where it started. I showed up less and I started thinking more about the things that I enjoyed marketing-wise. So I really looked at, okay, which channels am I using? How am I using them? Why am I using them? Um, so that, I think... It started with not necessarily quitting social media completely, but with deprioritizing it. So really making it less important in my business. And that also meant that it was less important mentally. I slowly started feeling less of that pressure to be on all the time. And I decided to make my newsletter work harder. So I made sure that it became easier for people to sign up to my newsletter. Up until that point, I only had like a little sign up box for my newsletter at the bottom of my blog post for instance but I started adding one more at the top saying something like you know for more like this or this post first appeared in my newsletter and that has been really successful just making it easier for people to sign up it's, it's so obvious but I think many of us don't really think about it and I also started to look into Pinterest which 
I hadn't really done until that time. But I took a course on it and then in the summer of 2021 really spent quite a bit of time setting that up. It works quite well with the things I enjoy, so with writing in particular. And um, yeah, so the deprioritizing was really making Instagram come last in that sense, in terms of marketing, not writing things only for Instagram. So sharing a snippet of a newsletter or a blog post or a sales page on Instagram rather than crafting from scratch. So I did that for quite a while. And then in October 2021, I launched another guide for small business owners around setting boundaries. And even though it was a fairly low-key launch and I'd planned stuff ahead, I just still felt burnt out from promoting it. And I probably always will, at least with the classical launch format. Mm. So I decided to take a break and I hadn't really specified for myself how long it was going to be. I think I probably thought, you know, maybe a month. Um, but around that time, I also had um, quite, quite some mental health challenges. And that meant that I just ended up being not being on Instagram for months. And then I think in April or so of the last year, of 2022, I thought, you know, I don't really feel like going back. So I put up sort of an out of office post saying, come find me elsewhere. So just to remind people, I'm not going to be hanging out here, but come sign up for my newsletter or find me on my website. Yeah, so now I've been off not including that little putting of the post for about 16 months. I don't really miss it. And so what does marketing look like in your business now? Is it mainly focused on emails? Yeah, it's mainly focused on email and it's also focused on community. And community was something that I decided to focus on last year. And particularly community, I mean, building that newsletter community, but also looking at the people I was already in touch with and seeing how can we collaborate? Can we do maybe a guest blog post on each other's site? Can we do a little blurb in each other's newsletter? Um, podcast interviews. I'm part of a, a lovely online community, the Align community, and there are loads of other small business owners when we share about, mainly just about doing business, but it also means that if there is a new product or whatever, that that is also a place to, to share it and to get suggestions. And building community in that sense, for me, it came, it, ironically, it came out of my experiences with social media because what I learned in selling on social media is that the thing that worked best is asking other people to share. So if I launched a new product, um, yeah, I did it with the two small business guides, I would ask other people could you share this with your audience? I think it fits. And these would be people that I'd already been in touch with and I definitely do the same for them. So it's not a callous kind of spammy relationship, yeah. but that worked best. And that showed for me that community in that sense worked really well. So I've been trying to do that off social media and it's, it's working really well. Having virtual teas with people um, someone whose newsletter I really enjoy getting in touch with them and saying, oh, maybe we can work together. Um, so that, I think, has been really useful. And then, indeed, the newsletter and working on getting people to sign up to my newsletter through the website and SEO and Pinterest.
Hello, I am briefly popping in, interrupting myself to share a little bit about my new service, the Copy Edit. This is a detailed audit of your website words combined with thoughtful suggested copy rewrites in your brand voice. So you can feel really confident that your website is the home of your business with copywriting that nurtures your dream people. It's perfect for you if you've written your own copy or if you've pivoted your business over a few years and want to make sure that the messaging is really cohesive, speaking to the right people. I look through your main website pages and your sales pages and product descriptions and give really thoughtful feedback on what's working and where things can be improved and then this is my favorite thing, I will rewrite sections of your website. Now, these are of course just suggestions, so you can use it as a starting point for the things that you wanna change on the website. But my aim with this, as one of my lovely clients literally said she did, is that you can copy and paste these updates to your website. So my client said that the voice and the wording of the rewrites felt so spot on that she just was able to put them straight on the website and update it without any stress. I want to help you create a website that's nurturing your audience and helping you sell. The process for a copy edit is simple. You book, you fill out the questionnaire and within a week I'll send you a detailed report with all my recommendations and then we'll meet virtually for a debrief call where you can quiz me about all the aspects of the report, ask any other questions or get my feedback on any updates you've made. So if you head to the episode notes, you'll find a link to book your own copy edit and I'll include a link to a blog post where I share extracts from a real life edit so you can get a feel for what's involved and what to expect. Now back to the episode. And if this isn't uh, too personal a question, can you still have a profitable business if you are not marketing on social media all the time? Yes, I would definitely say so. I think, I mean, it depends from person to person, right? I speak to many small business owners about social media and some of them will tell me that they actually make quite a lot of sales still through Instagram. Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't also make the sales off Instagram. I think you just need to be intentional about the transition. But when it comes to one-to-one mentoring, I never made a single sale through social media. I sold those guides, so the products, I sold those through social media. But one-to-one mentoring has always come in a different way. Mm. Um, so for me, that has absolutely been more, more profitable and more powerful and more efficient. Yeah, and it definitely it definitely depends on, you know, whether it's products or services and what type of products or services they are. So absolutely, like everybody's situation is going to be unique. But I wanted to showcase people's experiences of selling off social media as well, which is one of the reasons I wanted you to join me. Um, now, obviously, we've been talking about email marketing, and I know from following your lovely emails that you recently made the decision to switch your email platform to Substack. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Why was Substack something that you wanted to, to switch to? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm really about, really excited about Substack, so I'm happy <laughs> to talk about it. Uh, I think I know that many people don't know what Substack is. I don't know whether you've talked about it on the I haven't talked about it on the podcast here, but I have recently joined 
for my personal writing projects and um, I enjoyed that so much that I also suggested that my co-host and I, um, for our bookish podcast, Better Words, that we start a substack for that um, because we used to have an email marketing we used to have a plan for an email marketing thing like years and years ago and we just could never do it. And I thought Substack would be the perfect way to make it quite easy and we can have two different profiles anyway. So Substack has become my fun hobby thing. So I definitely don't, I'm not going to move there in terms of a marketing sense because I like it being my fun hobby writing space. Um, but I've not sort of talked about it in terms of marketing and stuff. So this is a really good chance to sort of share more about like why it appealed to you and why you're excited about yeah. it yeah I just two weeks ago the other week I wrote um kind of like a Substack 101 post because I was getting lots of questions from people but what is Substack so I'm, I, I'll give you the link so you can put yeah, it in the, in the show do, notes yeah. but yeah um I often describe Substack as kind of like the the love child between an old-fashioned blog and a newsletter yeah um because it, it's more than just an email, you know, platform like MailChimp or Flowdesk or whatever. Um, but what I find especially attractive about it is that all newsletters, well, unless you go, you can go for like a private newsletter, but most newsletters are, are public, which means that also people that are not subscribed to my newsletter can find it online. But it also means that if I comment on someone else's Substack, and that's something I really love, the ability to comment, is that they quite easily can click on my name and then find my Substack. They even see it like in my name, you know, my name and then writes female owned, which is my small business Substack. So Substack makes it really easy to connect with other people. Again, that sense of community and to grow through the platform they also encourage you to recommend other people's substacks or other people's publications, which your newsletter subscribers then see. Um, it's interesting how you said that substack was your, it's kind of like your hobby project, because that's how it started for me as well. Yeah. I'd been reading a little bit on substack for probably two years now. And then last spring got really excited just about the platform and everything that they were rolling out. And for fun, I started a substack around houseplants because I have a lot of them, about 120. And I, I thought this could that. be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, it was a chance to go back to writing about books, which is how I started in this whole crazy, you know, world and, um, you know, transitioned into online business and stuff. And it, it was just, I just thought, you know what, I really just want to write about things that I love and not have the pressure because in my other job and you probably have this as well with academia like no matter what I write it's either marketing for my business which I enjoy writing but there's still like strategy or I'm writing articles for news which obviously has a lot of rules and stuff and I was like I just want to write for fun yeah yeah and I've been seeing that and hearing that from lots of people that moving to Substack for them has been really freeing creatively. Um, and what I noticed, so I started that house plan Substack and, and didn't really market it. I think I told a couple of people, but then someone else whose publication I also read 
discovered it through a comment of mine and she started recommending it, which means that every time someone subscribes to her Substack, they get like a little page that says, oh, Virginia recommends these uh, publications. Would you like to subscribe to them as well? And that led to, um, I mean, it's not a huge list so far, like 250 people maybe, but most of them have come from her, which I think is amazing. I've just, I've done nothing. <laughs> um, so I got really excited about that. And then over the summer, I started to look at why, at, at other small business substacks. And the only thing that I came across was like white middle-aged men wearing suits or being all, you know, bro hustle culture like. And I thought, why are there no, you know, newsletters on there for people like me and then about half an hour later it took a while I thought wait a minute I can be on there I can be that that person um and what I find, find attractive about it I mean you can just move your newsletter to Substack and just have it be free but what they offer is to have some or all of your posts to be for paid subscribers only and that was something that I found really attractive, the idea that I could make writing an income stream. Um, so when I moved my newsletter over to Substack last November, it was really with the intention of eventually keeping my regular newsletter, so twice a month free, but adding bonus posts and threads and uh, a quarterly guide for paying subscribers only. And that's something that I just launched uh, a week ago. So for, is it five, five euros a month, people can become a paid subscriber and, and, and support my work and get those bonus points. And I also am a paid subscriber of quite a few other substacks. I think it's just such a lovely way of explicitly valuing someone else's work. Yeah, I agree. I really like the community aspect of being able to comment as well um so you know people can just read the emails in their inbox like any other platform or you can go to the app and read them and yeah i i really like the conversations that go on and certain people who i follow will do threads on different things and i really enjoy that and it, again it brings back all the old vibes of um when we actually used to do that on blogs which is great i don't think anyone comments on blogs anymore um so yeah it's it's a really nice community i think that the fact that it obviously works for you as well because community was something that you really wanted to get out of your business um so that's a great place to sort of build that as well while fitting in with your your marketing too um did you have any sort of apprehension at all about being like no i actually am going to go off social media and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna market for my business on here. I think initially I definitely did. Just I remember loads of conversations with other small business owners, um, and also in the mastermind that I was part of and I'm still part of. And we'd talk about. Someone would say, "Yeah, I don't know. I feel burnt out by social media." And then we'd all be like, "Oh, yeah, me too. I wish I didn't have to be on social media." And then the conclusion was like, "Oh, but we have to." And I think it was so, I as well was just so conditioned that this was the thing to do. I mean, for me, it definitely helped that I wasn't making 
any mentoring sales. I think it would have been a little harder to move off if I'd been making those sales. But then again, I do think you can move off social media, even if you do make loads of sales, you just need to be intentional about it. Um, because I think if you're spending time somewhere that makes you unhappy, it's just not worth it. And I think that final bit that I was just realizing that I was, I was not enjoying it anymore. I was enjoying catching up with people, but I wasn't enjoying having to post. Um, mm. And particularly that lack of control and not really knowing what the right thing to do was. And then the introduction of more video and reels and that just really, I just, I remember opening my app, I think when they just launched reels and just seeing all of these moving images and immediately thinking, oh, <laughs> what is this? It's just really overwhelming. Um, yeah, <laughs> close the app right now. Um, so yeah, I think initially it was, but I got used to the idea of spending less time with it gradually, and particularly when I got really clear about my marketing and really started to think about the ways that it felt good for me to market and that I was focusing on other things, that just made it a lot easier to, to take a step back. And also through like little mini breaks, gaining the confidence that the world was not gonna end if I wasn't on social media. And part of me has always been a little bit, countercultural is the wrong word, but has always been a bit of a, of a rebel with, if everyone else is doing it, then why should I do it too? It doesn't necessarily mean that I ought to as well. So it was definitely scary, but there was just so much weighing in the like leaving column that it became easier. And I think there's no, if anyone's listening to this and thinking, oh, so should we all leave social media? Obviously not. If you're enjoying it, then please stay. Uh, but there's, alternatives right if you're currently posting five times a week and it's not making you feel good can you experiment with three times a week can you think about other channels of marketing which is smart anyway right because if social media is your number one marketing channel and we've seen over the past year stuff that happens to social media twitter being a really great example <laughs> but you know instagram has gone through lots of changes as well you're making yourself really vulnerable so I think it's always good to, to reflect on what inspires us and what makes us feel creative and joyful about marketing. Absolutely. I think that is a lovely place to end it. Um, but I will just ask you one final question, which would be, what are some of your top tips for people who maybe listen to this and, and want to reassess their relationship with social media for business? Well, first of all, I look at what you're spending your time on and how it feels sort of time and energy wise to be on social media and once you've got that clear to think about okay what am I actually doing am I trying to sell am I sharing am I connecting and how could I do that possibly on other channels and tied in with that what do you enjoy for me I really enjoy writing so it's a no-brainer to do more newsletter stuff but I can imagine if you really enjoy video for instance but not social media you might think about doing a YouTube channel that might be the thing that really lights you up um, so I think those would be my three top tips and then also to, to experiment 
and to go at a pace that feels good for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me, Astrid. It's been wonderful to hear your story. And I will, of course, link to your newsletter and to the post you mentioned about Substack, um, if people want to get to know a little bit more about Substack, if it's something they're thinking about. Um, that will all be in the show notes, of course. Um, do you just want to, I was going to say, do you want to let people know where they can find and follow you? But we've sort of already talked about the following, but could you just, um, do you just want to let people know where to find you on your website? Yes, definitely. So that's um, astrobracker.com. So astrid and then B-R-A-C-K-E.com is my website. Um, and there you'll also find resources and links and all the good things around slow gentle and profitable business wonderful thank you so much thank you michelle it's really lovely chatting to you <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of content etc if you head over to wordbywordstorytelling.com forward slash blog you'll find a blog version of this episode there'll be links to anything i've mentioned in this episode in the show notes on your podcast app if you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by tagging me in your stories on Instagram, where I'm at word by word storytelling. And let me know what your biggest takeaway is from this episode. If you know someone who would enjoy listening to the show, please tell them about it. Word of mouth is still one of the most powerful forms of podcast recommendation. Make sure you're following the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it drops. <laughs>